This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett. Does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Yankees win! Alright, what's happening everybody? I'm your host RJ Carbone and you're listening to another episode, maybe watching, another episode of BD4. Episode 305 tonight of BD4, where there's no better way. No better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, and we do MMA now, too, so keep that in mind. Uh, we'll actually be talking some MMA after the uh, first card of the year on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. But, um, boy, we got a lot to talk about. we got a lot to talk about in this episode, you know, with the Knicks. Um, a lot going on lately. You know, they're playing good basketball. Uh, big win on national television last night on TNT against uh, the Mavericks, who were without... Tingus Pingus at the Garden in this one. He was with COVID. He was out with COVID. But um, somehow that big win is not the uh, the main headliner today. And by today, I mean the night after that game, which is Thursday the 13th. Because the Knicks made a big move. Or, you know, I, I shouldn't say big. It wasn't like a breaking news blockbuster type of deal. But it was big for them because they clearly needed something to spark them, and they they made some they made a deal for a player who I think could really help this team out. And so we're gonna get into that. We are gonna talk about that trade. We're gonna break down the the last night's game. I'm actually watching this Golden State Milwaukee game right now on TNT. Uh, actually, last night was on ESPN. I said TNT, didn't I? Which I totally I, I totally had no clue. I thought that was the only spot it was being telecasted on. But apparently MSG had their normal broadcast last night. So I missed Mike and Clyde. And whenever I feel whenever I miss Mike and Clyde, I feel like I missed the game. Even though I watched the game on ESPN. So I'm kind of disappointed. I really thought they weren't on MSG last night. And I'm pretty sure I looked at the TV guide and it wasn't there. Maybe it was on MSG too. I don't know. But um... But I watched it, and it was a great game. But I'm watching this TNT game right now with Golden State and Milwaukee. And, um, you know, I have a little parlay on it. Um, and not off to a great start, as Milwaukee is kind of dominating this one early on in the first. Already up 12 points. I had Golden State money line, and I also had Clay and Curry to score a bit, which they're scoreless halfway through the first. So, not looking promising for me. Um, neither is the over. So, you know, man, I hit so much. I mean, I miss so much on these bets. But something in me just keep wants to keep doing it. It's the degenerate gambler in me. That's how they get you, man. It's the thrill of, of, um, of wagering. But it's a good thing I don't gamble my life away. I don't gamble a ton. I'm smart with my gambling. But still, man, it's like, can I hit something once once in a while that actually gives me a good return? 
And this was a big one for me, and it doesn't look like it's promising. But, um, yeah, Clay's back, so that's good for the NBA. Um, and Golden State, obviously, it's good for Golden State. They are going to light it up if he's even close, remotely close to what he used to be two-plus years ago. But um, let's get to it. Let's head to our first break, guys. Episode 305 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that. We're on all the listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Anchor, um, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, which I just said two seconds ago. Um, and many more listening platforms. And you can also watch the video format of this podcast if you're not already. That's on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube and on all those listening platforms if you haven't yet. Download the episodes, share them with your friends. And, um, yeah, I would appreciate that. Hold on. I'm, uh, sorry, I'm getting some texts. I, um, I sent out a couple of thumbnail covers, like samples for my thumbnails on YouTube, and I'm just getting some different opinion on it, so I'm going to try a different thumbnail out. As you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you probably noticed, but, um, yeah, let's head to our first break. We'll get to our first plug here, and when we get back, we'll, we'll start this thing up, so stay with us. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. So, yeah, man, it was a good win for the Knicks last night. You know, they needed that. Um, took on the Dallas Mavericks and picked up the 108-105 to victory. I'm sorry, 108-85 uh, to victory. A big blowout win for them at Madison Square Garden. So, um, yeah, it's good to see the Knicks, you know, finally find their footing. I guess, right? They're, they're finding some type of rhythm for once. So this has been a season that's been so inconsistent, so maddening, because they cannot get into a rhythm. But, you know, you look at their last 12 games, and I think that goes back to Christmas, maybe a little bit before. They're 8-4. and four. Um, They're 4-1 and one in their last five games, and obviously last night made it two wins in a row. 
So since around Christmas time, that Hawks game, I think maybe the game before that they started playing a little better. Um, you know, recently, recently, R.J. Barrett is has been playing better. He's staying aggressive. His confidence is oozing right now. We saw that last night. Uh, Mitchell Robinson last night. It seems that he has his wind back. We'll talk on that. But overall, the starters played very well last night. You know, each and every one of the five starters for the Knicks were plus 22 or higher in the plus-minus box score. Um, the bench, you know, they weren't lights out offensively, but they contributed. They had some good defensive um, efforts, and they they had their moments offensively too. Um, but overall, the Knicks were 47% on their field goals, 46% on their threes. They were moving the ball well. They were active without the basketball in their hands, um, and they were playing at a fast tempo. Defensively, everybody was active, like I said. Um, I thought you know, the defensive rotations last night in particular were exceptional. Everybody was, was making the right rotations, and, and they were closing out hard on the perimeter, and um, I thought they did very well. You know, Jalen Brunson... He had 16 points. He was cooking the Nick Biggs early in single coverage. But, um, you know, on the outside, the Knicks were still defending him pretty well. And um, they were you know, they were kind of making this thing a storyline. I mean, I heard somebody told me that MSG was also bringing it up. But I know ESPN was talking about it. Uh, Rucco and, and Burke were mentioning that Jalen Brunson's father, Rick Brunson, once played for the Knicks and he was at this game at the Garden and they were kind of making it a storyline and maybe we're developing a narrative here to get this point guard in New York. I don't know. You know, Nick beat writers were reporting about it on Twitter talking about this this Brunson, uh, you know, family history in the NBA and connecting him to the Knicks. So maybe that's a player we keep an eye on at the deadline. Um, just, just, you know, I thought that was interesting. But, um, yeah, Dallas was just chucking up and missing a lot of open three-pointers. Um, Luka Doncic was off. You know, he had that brutal stretch where he was one for eight, maybe worse, um, whatever it was. But, you know, he couldn't buy a bucket at times in this game. And, you know, Dallas just didn't have much of that shot creation. Um, there was no true game plan. They were just launching threes, and they had just 16 assists. You know, I think the league average for assists per game per for a team is 24. Uh, that's on basketball reference. I looked that up. But, um, yeah, the Knicks were doing a good job, uh, you know, scheming them into three-pointers. That, and they closed out hard, like I said. And, and they, they also did a nice job taking away attempts at the rim for guys like Brunson and Luka Doncic. Uh, those two, Brunson and Luka, combined for just 10, 10 attempts. 10 attempts between the two of them in the restricted area last night. So, that was good. It made life easier for Mitch and Noel. Um, you know, I'm sure that number would have been a little higher if Tingus Pingus played too. But he did not. He is out with COVID. I also thought the Knicks played pretty well. They thought, thought they played good in the, the transition game. Um, pretty excellent, to be honest. They only had eight turnovers themselves offensively. And they only forced 12. But, you know, they were 54 to 39 in the rebounding department. So... That opened up a lot of a lot of looks getting out on the break and pushing a whole lot for the Knicks. Um, they were 50 points in transition to Dallas's 39. So that was key to me, especially in the third quarter. That's real, where they really began to pull away. Um, 
You know, you had R.J. Barrett really thriving off the dribble in the third quarter. Um, Pull-ups, drives, spot-ups. You know, Robinson was going in that third. Evan Fournier had a few points towards the end of the quarter. Quinton Grimes caps off the third quarter with a three-point make. Um, You know, the Knicks went on a nice little mini 6-2 run to enter the fourth quarter up 18 points. And that was really it. The Knicks pull away from there, and they got the win. 21 and 21 now, back at 500. Same record this time last year. But, you know, we always mention, we've been mentioning this year, despite them having the same record, you know, at this point throughout the season, we, we always talk about it's not the same energy, the vibes, the defense. Um, well, at least lately, it's starting to look more like last year's energy. And the vibes look better, and the defense is up. You know, uh, the defense since Christmas is um, holding their holding opponents under 100 points in eight of ten games since Christmas Day. So that's a plus. Uh, it's currently three games in a row holding the opposition to under 100. Also, we have won our last five home games, dating back to the Christmas Day matchup, which. You know, has been an issue for us all this season, winning at home. And that was actually one of our strengths last season. And I hate to keep bringing up last year, right? But unfortunately, that's what we have. The only thing we have to compare our, our, you know, season with is getting back to the playoffs. And last year, we made the playoffs. Um, Hold on a second here. All right, we're good. So, uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully this could finally be the turning point, you know, where we, we can finally get something going here, turn our season around. But we'll see, right? Every loss is going to feel like the end of the world, even during this solid stretch. And um, so the key is to just stay even keel and just wait. You know, same with wins. We have it. We have to have a balanced mentality. Can't go crazy with wins. Wow, it's 31, 37 to twenty-one, Milwaukee after one quarter. So it's not looking good for the money line, but the over/under it's actually a pretty decent pace. But man, what's the uh, the Warriors getting smacked? Didn't expect that. Shit. <laughs> That's not great. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's hard to stay optimistic this season because it feels like every win, or, you know, every small, decent stretch we have is like a building block, but then we go out and, and we struggle for a second or two. You know, so it's tough. It's tough to really maintain that balanced mentality, but we have to have that. I mean, and maybe one of the reasons to be optimistic is the play of R.J. Barrett lately. And I want to talk about R.J. Barrett, um, especially in this game, as soon as we get back from, uh, from from break. So stay with us, and we'll get right to it. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well. 
wherever you get your podcasts, but we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right. So, yeah, man. R.J. Barrett has played excellent basketball of late. Um, last night, another 30-point game. Back-to-back 30-point games now that he's the youngest Nick to do so. I saw that stat on the game on the telecast on ESPN last night. 32 points for him in this one. He goes 13 for 22, which is 59%. Uh, he was 4 for 7 from 3-point distance. 2 for 2 at the free throw stripe. Seven rebounds, two turnovers in over 40 minutes. Again, like I said, he is being very, very aggressive right now. You got to love that. You know, um, he's taking control of the offense. He's initiating offensive sets in the half court. Um, It's good to see Thibodeau give him a little free reign there. He's also playmaking very efficiently as well. He only has three turnovers in his last two games. Um... You know, he's been the number one option lately. And credit to Randall, right? You got to credit Julius for recognizing that RJ's on a roll right now and letting it happen. Um, he's averaging 19 field goal attempts, RJ is, per game over his last seven games, along with six free throw attempts a night. And it's not just the stats, but, you know, Randall's passing more. RJ's usage has been up. The amount of touches are up. Just watching these games, you can see that he's letting him be himself out there. Um, RJ's averaging 25 during that seven-game span on 49% from the field and 43% from three on six attempts a night during this 12-game span. So it's it's good to see him play very well, and he's doing it once again. We talked on this in a variety of ways. You know, last night, again, uh, drives, you know, step-backs from both levels, uh, pull-ups, from both levels. On the break, post-ups against Brunson. He had some nice drives past Doncic. Um, ran some DHO with Randall. There was that pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson early on. Uh, early on, you know, there was that left-handed finish. Driving off double screens from Quickly Noel. He was using fakes. Uh, that floater was falling. He was changing speeds. He's very shifty, which I always think he never wavers at. He's always very shifty with the ball. Even when he's not finishing in games, he's always really good at being that crafty, elusive type of driver. You know, he's good at changing speeds and getting the defense, you know, off balance, keeping them off balance. And I thought last night especially, he did that very well. Um, Mentioned the playmaking. That's been on an uptick lately. And the defense. It's his defense, too, that's really stepped up. Uh, Luka did score 21 points, but it came very inefficiently. He shot 35%, 8 for 23. And he had to work hard to get his 8 baskets, too. It wasn't like it came easy for Luka. So I thought RJ played pretty good defense, being that his assignment was Luka for the majority of the night. Um, And so it feels like whenever one piece of the puzzle fits for RJ, the rest start fitting, too. Everything else comes along with his game. 
So hopefully, you know, hopefully this can be the start of something here. Um, but I don't know. You know, we, we, we talk about it a lot, how he goes back into these ruts. He, he's a young player, and he's still very inconsistent, even in this, you know, season last year. But, you know, we always mention the comparisons, right? We hear Jimmy Butler. Um, Butler wasn't, you know, wasn't until year four for him where he broke out, age 25 season. We hear the comparisons with DeMar DeRozan, right? Um, DeRozan's first All-Star season came in year five where he was 24 years old. Jalen Brown, that's another comp we hear with R.J. Barrett. Year four for him, his first 20 points per game season, age 23. His first All-Star season, age 24, in year five. So, you know, some of the players he's compared to, um, statistically, historically speaking, also got off to, to inconsistent starts in their career. And, you know, R.J. Barrett is a lot younger than all of them. He's only 21 years old. So that's the one thing keeping me optimistic whenever he does struggle and whenever I do feel down about his future as a number three pick um, is that he's only 21. And, you know, guys like Butler, DeRozan, Brown have, uh, you know, similar track records in that aspect. But to me, what it's going to come down to, it's going to continue to be that shooting, right? RJ isn't extremely athletic, um, and he's not going to break a defender down with his handles. So that mid-range shot, in particular, that little pull-up mid-range, that free-throw line extended jumper, that's going to be crucial for him. That's got to become you know, part of his bread and butter. I think if that starts falling consistently, uh, that's going to open up a lot of avenues for RJ to be more efficient. You know, the defense is going to have to start respecting him more and they're going to have to guard him tighter and, you know, that'll open up some driving lanes for him. So we'll see, you know, we'll see if this can remain. Um, But it's good to see RJ Barrett playing pretty well right now. I want to talk about Julius's game last night and we'll get to that as soon as we get back from break. Stay with us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode, but first... I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. So, Julius Randle, um, 17 points, 6 for 17, 35% last night from the field, 4 for 6 from the free throw line, 8 dimes, 12 boards, and 5 turnovers. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start with the bat, okay? We'll start with the bat because I really want to end this on a positive note for Julius because I want to give him a break. Alright. <laughs> so... We'll start with the bat and end on a positive. Um, we'll get the bat. We'll get it over with. 
so first off, as well as he did in this one and every other area, I, I just want to mention that the Knicks are going nowhere until he gets his shit together fully. His offense needs to come along to be more efficient, okay? He's now 32 points. I said we'll start with the good, didn't I? He's 32 points on 43 shots in his last three games. I just want to get this out of the way. 32 points on 43 shots in his last three games since the whole incident. Um, that's 30% field goals. He's 14, 14% from three and 11 points per game. Okay, His mid-range on the year is all the way down to a horrendous 31%. Last year, it was 42%. Um, oh, no, I said we start with the bad, didn't I? Yeah, okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm all over the place. But, yeah, um, it's it's awful. It's the mid-range shot to me. That 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 was his bread and butter last year. Um, last night, he has a garbage stretch in the third quarter where RJ was off the floor, so all the attention was on Julius again. And he took some awful shots, and he turned it over all five times in that third quarter. How the hell does one play... How the hell one player manages to turn it over that many times in in a 12-minute span is beyond me. But I guess I shouldn't be shocked anymore with Julius. Um, Maybe like Westbrook and Harden are the only other two I can think of who do things like that. But it was rough. It was rough for a moment or two in the third quarter. Other than that, (laughs) you put all that aside, he was a positive last night. Um, You know, he had 12 rebounds in eight times, but... Again, it's not just the statistics, though. You watched him. He played with more energy. He was screening a little bit harder. He was defending much harder. Uh, he was orchestrating the offense and directing the offense without the ball in his hand. You know, on the ball, he played as a good creator last night. Even with Burks having to run point again, Randall said, F that. You know, Burks did have six assists, but Randall... You know, he did his thing on the ball, and he took it upon himself at times, and he moved it well, at least. You know, he hit scorers on the wings, and he hit the bigs down low at the rim. So I thought he played well, considering he shot like garbage and had five turnovers in that third quarter. You know, he still needs to put it all together. You know, I'm not going to give this guy a break in terms of getting on him for his play. He's got to be more efficient offensively. We paid him... What, $117 million for the next five, four, four years or something? 29 AAV, so whatever that is. Um, so he's got to start becoming that guy who can give you 20 to 25 a night on 46% shooting like he did last year. You know, 45 or better, please. And it's all about him attacking the rim and being aggressive and using his strength. And like I said, it's going to come down to the mid-range shots. Right, He's statistically actually finishing at the rim at a higher clip this year and averaging more per game, but it's just, you know, it's the jumpers just not falling as much. You know, last year he got away with it because he took tough shots and made tough shots, but he played a little over his head. That's not just going to be something that continues. That was more luck, if anything. And those those step-back mids, you know, from the elbow and those three-point shots aren't falling. So it's going to come down to that jumper. You know, it's going to come down to that mid-range jumper just starting to fall. He's got to figure it out. Um, And he's got to make quicker decisions with the ball in his hand. When defenses send help, he's got to be able to dish it out. He can't dribble into any more double teams or just turn it over. 
we got we we got to figure something out with his offensive game. It's got to become it's got to become more efficient for the Knicks to have any type of chance. All right, so we can't just keep saying, well, you know, at least he was doing the little things. He's got to, the main thing for Julius. He's on this team. We paid him that money for him to be the big 20 25 points per game guy more efficiently. Can't be dropping 11 a night, you know, on 30% field goals going forward. He's got to start clicking. Um, Elsewhere, but again, positive. All right. He was part of that starting unit who had a plus 20-something um, for everybody. Mitch, Noel, they played good last night at the 5. Mitchell Robinson was 19 points, 10 rebounds. Did so on 9-for-10 field goal shooting. One steal, two blocks. Noel, he had four points, six boards, a steal, and two blocks. Mitch's finishing continues to be near perfect right now. He He's on fire at the rim. Um, Noel's defense, especially on the perimeter, was really solid. And I also think he did a nice job hedging to slow down dribble penetration. Which, again, we mentioned how you know limited Brunson and Luca were on their drives. Both Mitch and Noel, you know, with their gravity on the inside, um, deep in the paint, it opened up looks for Knicks shooters on the perimeter. And so that's how the Knicks got to make 12 three-pointers on 46%. Mitch was setting hard screens. He was rolling hard to the rim. I think he had about eight dunks in this game. Besides, you know, an early tip-in in the third quarter, I think every other field goal he made was a dunk. So, he's playing very well right now. Yeah, I think Tibbs shook up the playbook last night. Mitch was getting involved a lot more um, in a lot more actions last night. You know, RJ and Fournier especially hitting him um, and, and Noel as the rollers. So, he's he's good. He's, he's being aggressive on the glass. He's attacking the glass, going after rebounds, which you can see this all is coming, you know, all this conditioning crap that we were talking about him it was true he he looked overweight and he he was slow he didn't have that second leap but it looks like it's all coming back to him a little bit more now you know you go back to his last 13 games he's at 11 points and nine rebounds and that's all we want you know on a consistent basis just give us double double type numbers you know you don't have to be an electric scorer or an amazing rebounder but just give us 10 and 10 you know what i mean that's key though you know, that's key. We mentioned earlier um, the Nick defense playing better for a bit. To me, that's key. If Robinson can really start to anchor that five position and play up to his expectation, he gets his win back fully, and he could start playing that defensive, being that defensive prowess, I think this Nick defense is going to look a lot more like they did last year and like they have been lately. So... All in all, it was a good win, you know, a good win for, for Thibodeau and the Knicks. The only bad thing I would say is that we only had 14 minutes of quickly and 11 minutes for Toppin. Um, I thought they could have seen a lot more time out there. IQ, only, you know, he was only one for seven, so I guess they understand it. But he did a nice job playmaking as a, as, as a point guard at times. Um, and I think, you know, Burks as a starter, man, I just, I'm not for it. Now, I understand we're winning right now with him there. Um, but I just, you know, and, and, you know, he's a switchable player with his size on those ball screens, but I just don't like him as a starting point guard. 
And I also, I dove into the numbers. So I was reading it on basketball reference. I went into the game logs. And as a starting point guard, Burks in 17 games is 33% field goals and 34.5% three-point. Off the bench, you know, as a wing in his natural role, Burks this year in 24 games is 45% field goals and 47% on threes. So, big difference when he's playing at his natural position. Um, you know, he's good for short stints, right? He's he, He'll do whatever the team asks, but I just don't like him as the consistent point guard. And Obi hasn't really had any big games lately, but it's it's... He's not really getting the minutes to, to to do anything anymore. You know, he's getting less and less minutes by the day, it feels like. So he hasn't really been effective, and I, I just feel like, why not give him a little more than 11 minutes? Other than that, I thought Thibodeau coached a good game, and it was good to see that he's getting this Knicks team to play hard again, play defense again, and he's running the offense through the guards a little bit more. So, good game for the Knicks. A good win against the Mavs again. Back in 500, two in a row, five in a row at home. Things are feeling a little bit better. We'll see where they go. I want to talk about this trade though. So let's head to break. And when we get to uh, when we get back from break, we're gonna get to this camera thing. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2. 841-ERJC 6828-841-ERJC Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab searching the Bomber Bocker blog and there you have it. Sixty to thirty, Milwaukee's up. Nothing goes good for me when I bet anymore, man. I don't get this shit. It's ridiculous. It's a sign from God, telling me that should have been your uh, New Year resolution, Rob. <laughs> Fuck me. All right, so the Knicks made a move already, and that seems like it's Leon's thing. You know, with Derrick Rose early last year too. Um, Cam Reddish is a New York Nick. You know, earlier today, this morning, I woke up and I saw 
Um, the Knicks sent over a protected first round from Charlotte, the Charlotte pick, a protected first round, so it's probably going to end up being mid to late first round. And then um, Kevin Knox for uh, for Cam Reddish. And they also got Solomon Hill, who's probably being waived as I speak. And um, and a second round pick from, from the New Jersey Nets was involved in that too. <laughs> but yeah, so we gave up essentially nothing. You know, it was a low risk medium to high reward type of trade for the Knicks. Um, the first thing I, I'm seeing right now is kind of annoying me because I don't buy the hype on this thing. Um, a lot of people are talking about, is this a precursor move for Zion in the works? You know, are we going to move Randall? I don't know, man. I, I don't take that narrative seriously. You know, I'm not a huge fan of, of Williamson either. Um, he's really got no jumper. He's got health issues with the weight. He's got weight issues. His body type doesn't look promising. The play type combined with the body type. <laughs> I just don't see a long-term career with him, unfortunately. Um, so I, I don't really pay attention to that. But I'll tell you what. There's one thing you can guarantee, and I feel like it's going to happen at some point. Kevin Knox is going to drop 30 on us. And the Hawks actually play us on Saturday. Though I don't know if they'll play by then. It is two days, but but I feel like Kevin Knox is going to drop 30. And he might even turn into KD all of a sudden. <laughs> but hey, I mean, it's unfortunate for Knox. Um, I, you know, I was high on him originally, but it just didn't work out. Maybe he fits their scheme a little bit more over there. I don't know what they do, but I don't know, man. It's unfortunate for him, you know. Fortnite knocks. Um, Cam Reddish, though, I'm very satisfied with with this return here. 22 year old kid, so he's still very young. And the Knicks needed some wing help, and they got wing help. They went out and got it. Knox wasn't playing. You know they have a they have a plethora of picks, so they used one and got Reddish. And Reddish is averaging 12 points in about I think I saw 22, 24, something like that minutes per game. He shoots the three well, 38%, um, especially from the corner. He's 47% this year at the corner, which is part of Thibodeau's system, right? That's how the Knicks thrived last year was those corner three-point shots. Um, so that's a positive. He's going to use – I think he's going to play uh, really well under Thibodeau. We also have him for an additional year, so we don't have to pay him um, until next offseason. Um, but he puts points on the boards, and he plays a little defense. So – you get in that 3 and D wing, and I think that's a very Thibodeau-esque type of player, right? Shoot it from the corner and play defense, and he also brings some athleticism too. Okay, so he brings, which was just you know something we very much needed. We talk a lot about how we want the Knicks to run and play that transition game more. Well, you got an athletic 3 and D wing here in Cam Reddish, so it's good. It's You can't be mad at this, right? It's not a blockbuster. It's not going to turn their season around. It's not Jeremy Grant. But you cannot be mad at a deal like this. Um, and it, it could be good for R.J. Barrett, right? Obviously, these two were, were teammates at Duke. And he was part of that trio. Maybe it's a move indicating that we're trying to build around R.J. here. You know, looking at the rotation, though. You've got Burks, uh, Fournier, R.J., and Obi Toppin are all regulars. So how does this really play out? You know, if we got rid of Knox as the only player in this deal, 
he wasn't playing. So whose minutes is is Cam Reddish going to take? You know what I mean? It's interesting. Is it a precursor to, to deal Evan Fournier? That could very well be the case. You know, Fournier could be out the door now. Or maybe Fournier is just headed to the bench. You know, RJ and Cam are very interchangeable at the two and three spots. So we could make a starting lineup of those two work. But it is interesting timing because Evan Fournier has been playing well of late, which could mean, you know, they're trying to get his value up for a trade with this Reddish deal. and, and Or it could mean that, you know, Cam's going to come off the bench. Maybe he takes, I don't know, at least immediately... I don't think he's going to start, so maybe he takes Quentin Grimes' minutes, which is unfortunate because Grimes has been playing pretty well. But Cam is more experienced. He, he's he got the chemistry with R.J. Barrett, um, and he's got more size. He's 6'8", 220, 218, or something like that. Grimes is the better shooter, but, I mean, Reddish can shoot, you know. But Grimes has been a big boost with his jump shooting. Maybe he takes Obi Toppin's minutes. You know, his minutes have already taken a decrease lately. Obi, um, and they, they have, they're a similar size. I think uh, Cam is a, is a tad bit smaller. But, I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know, I would feel if he took Obi's minutes, it'd be kind of counterproductive in a way because Obi's had a good year and you're also removing athleticism. Now, Cam's athletic, but Obi's, you know, a freak athlete. Maybe Obi plays more small ball at the five, you know, for stretches. Maybe we would, you know, make a second unit with with them two in the, at the four and five. It'd be more athletic, a lot more dynamic, but it doesn't seem like a, Thibs, uh, a Thibodeau thing to do so long as that big man rotation is healthy. You know, it's probably not going to be a regular thing to put those two at the four or five, but... um. I don't know, it's going to be interesting, man, because you also have Kemba and Rose on the return soon enough. So it's fascinating, man. I don't know whose minutes he's going to take uh, right now and in the future. You know, it can mean a lot of things, but it is a good move. I'm happy about it. You know, I know Leon likes to do his deals early. Like I said, D-Rose came about a month before the deadline last year, so maybe expect this to be, you know, setting up something else big. You know, maybe Fournier's out the door. We'll, We'll see. That would be something else. But um, Cam Reddish is officially a Nick. I'm very satisfied with the deal. Uh, I think it's going to help this team, uh, not just in the short term, but in the long run too. You have a 22-year-old kid who has been fairly consistent as an NBA wing so far. He's he's always in double figures every year in the points category. And from what I hear, he's a decent defensive player. I know at Duke, he was a very good defensive player. Uh, that's, That's translated to a decent player defensively in the NBA. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. And um, maybe he plays Saturday. Maybe we get Knox versus um, Cam. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, guys, thank you for tuning in. We are going to end this one with the NYY, NYK question of the day like we usually do. Let's get to it. So in this episode... For our NYY NYK question of the day, for episode 305, my question to you, since we just played the Mavs, how many total players were included in the Porzingis deal?
All right, how many total players were included in the Kristaps Porzingis deal? Let me know on Facebook, whether that's or Instagram, whether that's in my DMs or commenting on you know one of the promo clips I post for this episode. And I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and that's pretty much all we have for this episode. So we just broke the Knicks down a little bit and talked about this Cam Reddish deal. So we'll see, man. We'll see how Thibodeau incorporates him into this uh, rotation. So I'm very excited. I think it was an excellent low-risk, high-reward move. And we'll see what happens going forward. I will see you Saturday. We'll be talking Knicks and some MMA as the uh, UFC returns. All right, guys. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.